Welcome back. I'm Shane McClelland. I'm Lori Gum. And these are the Q Files. This is our 50th episode. That's right, 5-0, which is just crazy to think about. So before we dive into this episode, we have a favor to ask, friends. Take a moment to make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you use it, like the Q Files podcast on Facebook. Then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We know it seems simple, but it helps the show reach new people. And since you're listening, you probably enjoy the Q Files as much as we enjoy making it. So thank you for taking the time to help us, and thank you for coming along on our adventures, all 50 of them. It's been a while since we've covered a cryptid, nearly a year as a matter of fact, and since you should never be too old to believe in monsters, and in the spirit of the X-Files, our monster of the week is the Lake Erie Monster. Now, on with the show. Picture it. Lake Erie, 1793. You're the captain of the Felicity, and you've awakened early to take your sloop out on the lake to hunt for ducks. You deftly steer your sailboat through the shallows of Lake Erie's islands. It's cool. There's mist in the early morning air. You admire the rugged natural beauty of the area as it reflects off the still glass-like waters of the lake. It's peaceful maybe too peaceful. As the quiet dawn is punctured by your loud shots into the sky, your blood runs cold. Disturbed by your noise, there is now, thrashing at your suddenly way too small boat, what can only be described as an enormous serpent, easily over 15 feet long. It disappears just as quickly as it appeared. This was the first reported sighting of the Lake Erie Monster, also known as Lim or Limmy, acronymically derived from Lake Erie Monster, and perhaps most popularly as Bessie, South Bay Bessie to be exact. I like to think of Bessie as the Ohio cousin of the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie. One is iconic and known the world over, and the other currently lives in a van on the shores of Toledo. Hasn't worked in over a decade, diehard Browns fan, Swifty, chain smoker, twice divorced, has an aggressively Cleveland accent and gets a distant look in her eyes when you ask about the Cuyahoga River fire, but is working on herself and wants to become a travel influencer. Bessie has been described as snake-like, 30, 40 feet long, over a foot around. Her color has been reported as gray, copper, and silver. Some say she has a dog-like head and large fins. Others say she has human-like arms. She has been the subject of superstitious sailors, drunk tourists, and newspaper hoaxes over the centuries. But the legend of the serpentine creature living in Lake Erie likely originated in Native American culture. Native American groups in the Lake Erie region, particularly the Iroquois tribe, would speak of Onyare, a water spirit that lives in the Great Lakes. The name Onyare is the Mohawk word for snake. It is a horned, dragon-like snake that breathes both poison and fire. Onyare is said to capsize canoes and devour humans, though the creature will sometimes spare travelers who make great enough offerings. Cryptozoologists have remarked on a 
monster belt, corresponding to latitudes where such phenomena seems most well-documented. Most of the Great Lakes fall within these monster latitudes, and nearly all parts of them have developed monster traditions. Any cryptid fishing expedition along the Great Lakes waterways will quickly disclose stories of such hometown monsters as Champ, Lake Champlain, Pressy, Presque Island, Kingstie, Kingston, Ontario, Benzo, Lake Mendota, Wisconsin, or any number of one-off reports of serpentine, or, on rare occasion, squid-like monstrosities in our lakes. In early accounts, the Iroquois and Algonquin would speak of an entire race of giant serpent dragons living in Ontario. The Seneca spoke of Gassi in de Etha, an enormous hybrid snake that could breathe fire and fly like a bird. Many modern believers hold on to the romantic notion that a surviving species of sea dinosaur or a reptile-like early whale still gallivants around the Lake Erie Islands from Toledo to the Pennsylvania shoreline. An article by 19th century science writer Constantine Samuel Raffinesque described a sighting from two years earlier on July 3rd, 1817 of a freshwater huge serpent he equated the Lake Erie denizen matter-of-factly with the alleged sea serpents cruising the world's oceans. Erie's serpent, witnessed by a schooner three miles from shore, was between 35 and 40 feet long, a foot in diameter, and dark brown or black. Ravinesca lamented that the report did not specify smooth skin or scales, surmised the animal a hitherto undiscovered giant eel, and put forth possible Latin scientific names. After the July 1817 sighting, another boat crew spotted a similar animal, copper-colored and 60 feet in length. This time, they shot at it with muskets, which had no visible effect. A third 1817 incident took place near Toledo, when French settlers, two brothers named Dussault, encountered a large monster on the beach, writhing in what they took to be its death throes. The brothers described it as 20 and 30 feet in length and shaped like a large sturgeon except that it had human-like arms. The panicked brothers fled the scene, and when they returned later, the creature had disappeared, presumably carried off by waves after its death. All that was left of its presence were marks on the beach and a number of silver scales, about the size of silver dollars. Later, an 1889 newspaper from Sandusky quoted a fisherman as having seen the water monster at Kelly's Island. Then, in 1892, a report from Toledo claimed the captain and crew of the schooner Madeline and bound from Buffalo were amazed at a 50-foot serpentine creature with fins about four feet in circumference, violently churning the water before coming to rest and allowing the mariners a good look at it. They described it as a terrible-looking object. It had vicious, sparkling eyes and a large head. A Canadian report from 1896 describes a 35-foot-long serpent with eyes the size of silver dollars and a dog-like head basking near the shore. In this instance, it was observed by four witnesses for nearly 45 minutes on a peaceful evening in May. One of the onlookers reportedly threw rocks at the monster, causing it to dramatically lunge at the projectiles. 
1931, there was an Associated Press bulletin from Sandusky reporting that a fisherman had stunned and hauled ashore a 20-foot-long serpent with dark alligator-like hide. At least that's the story they told a New York Times reporter who happened to be visiting Sandusky that day. When the curator of the Cleveland Museum of Natural History swung by to investigate, he determined that the clubbed and crated beast was actually an Indian python. The men turned out to be hucksters, connected with the carnival trade, who were trying to pass off the python as the monster. One of the many Bessie hoaxes, another had happened in 1912, also in Sandusky, when a newspaper ran a story of a sea monster bursting through the lake ice. The article ended by saying it was made up. It was an April Fool's joke. A frightened boater in 1985 called the Coast Guard to report a monster churning the waters behind him, as if in pursuit of his vessel. Also in 1985, two Cleveland Coast Guardsmen alleged a snake-like monster off a municipal beach. In 1990, two firefighters spied the monster as a humped 35-foot-long shape, which they said was definitely not a log or a seawall. A couple running a charter boat business saw something very similar at Kelly's Island. A few years later, at Huntington Beach in Bay Village, a beach full of witnesses on a July evening saw a ridged back, estimated between 25 and 50 feet long, rise out of the water. Among the onlookers at Huntington was 11-year-old Victor Resgatis and his family. Resgatis said, my cousins were in from South Carolina. They wanted to see Lake Erie, and they were standing there on the walking path. And we saw these bubbles, like something rising. It came up a foot out of the water, just this crest. It looked like water, but sort of solid. After what seemed like a full minute or two, it submerged and was gone. Victor said that no boats were nearby that might have caused a freak wave, and in any case, a wake doesn't last that long. Ending with, I was a little afraid to go in the water after that. Resgatis later paged through the volumes of animal life and decided it most resembled a gigantic sturgeon, a bony fish once highly plentiful on the lakes but now fished to near extinction. To his point, sturgeon can reach 10 feet in length, weigh 300 pounds and live over 100 years. On a warm September day, Harold Bricker, his wife Cora, and their son Robert set out from Ohio's Sandusky Bay to go fishing on Lake Erie. While Bricker was baiting his hook, he noticed something moving in the water about 1,000 feet from their boat. Peering in that direction, he saw what looked like a long, sleek sea serpent swimming through the choppy waves. The creature was black and about 35 feet long with a snake-like head, Bricker told the Los Angeles Times in 1990. He wanted to investigate, but his son was too nervous to get closer, astutely pointing out that whatever the thing was, it was certainly bigger than any of them. The Brickers weren't sure what they saw that day, but their story was corroborated by at least five other witnesses. After the Brickers' encounter in 1990, John Schaffner, editor of The Beacon, a newspaper in Port Clinton, Ohio, set up an 800 number for sightings. Schaffner admits that one of his friends knowingly published an account of a fake serpent sighting in another local paper, spurring a flurry of copycat reports. But the people calling Schaffner's Lake Monster hotline weren't trying to put one over on him. 
They were as serious as a heart attack, Schaffner says. They were absolutely convinced that they were seeing something in the water. He remembers one woman in particular who was having coffee on her lakefront porch one summer morning when she was overcome by a powerful stench. She swears she saw a slinky sea monster with two humps in the water, Schaffner says. Most South Bay Bessie reports focus on the southwestern part of Lake Erie, along the Ohio coast of the Lake Erie Islands. Admittedly, popular resort areas for pleasure boats, decadent parties, and tourists, where drinking and carousing synergize nicely with a fun monster legend. Even the Wall Street Journal reported on the community's zeal in capitalizing on the monster tradition. The name South Bay Bessie, in fact, was selected in 1989 from among 115 entries submitted in a contest held by the Ottawa County Beacon. In November 1990, the Huron Town Council, with an eye to the publicity, passed a resolution designating themselves an official monster capture and control center. The Huron Lagoon's marina owner, garnered international publicity by having Lloyds of London underwrite a $102,700 reward for anyone able to catch South Bay Bessie, or any unknown aquatic animal, at least 1,000 pounds and 30 feet long, alive and well. The reward remains unclaimed. Ohio State University oceanographer and zoologist Charles Herdendorf was duly consulted on possible feeding habits of a lake monster. Herdendorf was game enough to suggest his own Latin name for the beast, Obscura Erinsis Hurani, or rarely seen indigenous to the waters of Huron. He indulged in a mental exercise that biologists and limnologists have played from time to time, calculating just how many theoretical carnivorous monsters a lake could hold given the size, water volume, quantity of fish to feed upon, etc. He concluded Lake Erie had the capacity to support 175 creatures of 35 feet or so and 4,400 pounds in weight. Herdendorf's personal opinion was that South Bay Bessie was actually an illusion created by schools of the lake's plentiful carp herded into serpentine strings by sandbars and shallows. Other possible suspects for the monster's identity include the sturgeon, once so plentiful in the area that 1880 Sandusky earned the title of caviar capital of the USA, and wild exaggerations of the common black water snake, which nest, breed, and sun in massive quantities around the Lake Erie Islands, much to the chagrin of many locals and truly anyone with a fear of giant piles of snakes, Automatic cameras took positions at parts of Lake Erie, and monster-sized forms were allegedly recorded on fish finder sonar and even by satellite photos. In 1994, a Huron man erected a fanciful sculpture of South Bay Bessie on the Huron River, loops of snake-like dragon visible to drivers passing by on an interstate highway bridge. He subsequently added a baby South Bay Bessie trailing the parent, but this was stolen. By the 21st century, the Lake Erie monster was quite famous indeed, even if the actual sightings had trailed off for the time being. A popular area restaurant is named after Lemmy, 
There are monster souvenirs, and a Cleveland professional hockey team has, of course, been christened the Lake Erie Monsters, with all the attendant exploitation of the image of a reptilian cranium protruding from the surface of the world's 12th biggest freshwater lake. Along with Bessie, there is also the curious saga of the Erie Baby. It's not a cryptid per se, but it is very much a story we'd share with you and absolutely worth mentioning here. This creature was initially displayed as a three-foot-long, dragon-like creature stuffed and mounted by Larry Peterson, a taxidermist and bait shop proprietor in Lakewood, Ohio, who had found the decayed, unfamiliar-looking fish with a hook through its mouth on the Erie shoreline. Peterson, wanting to make an impression at an upcoming trade show, followed the time-honored tradition of taxidermists who manipulate animal parts into strange and whimsical shapes. In the carnival freak show trade, such creations are called gaffs. A memorable episode of the X-Files popularized the name Fiji Mermaid. In nautical jargon, doctored fish, especially skates or rays sliced open and posed to present a quasi-humanoid look, are called Jenny Hanevers. Peterson twisted the deceased fish into a dinosaur-like pose, suggesting a long neck, trimmed the dorsal fin into a series of serrations, and added pieces of skin to suggest little anterior and posterior flippers. Word of the curiosity reached the proponents of creationism, who in the 1980s and 1990s were turning to lake monster and sea serpent accounts to bolster their religious claims that the book of Genesis was literal, and that Darwin's theory of evolution was false via a scripture-friendly timeline that nails down the coexistence of man and dinosaur. Carl Ball of the Texas-based Creation Evidence Museum journeyed to Lakewood and eventually purchased Eerie Baby to display. The specimen was posted on creationist websites as a possible juvenile dinosaur, potentially of the plesiosaur family inferring the infant stage of the creature that would ultimately grow into the legendary Lake Erie monster. In all reality, the Erie baby was likely a bowfin, a burbo, or a lingcod elongated, sort of a eel-like Great Lakes fish, some of which can grow to be a yard in length and are rarely seen by people, as most have a preference for deep waters. Like ghosts, yetis, and Bigfoot, Sightings of these bizarre beasts raise questions about the human psyche. Why do some people believe in creatures that have no proven existence? Donald R. Prothero, co-author of Abominable Science, Origins of the Yeti, Nessie, and Other Famous Cryptids, blames it on our willingness to believe what we see. He states, People are fooled by their senses, especially sight, because we are notoriously bad witnesses. Investigative journalist and avid Lake Erie boater Steve Kovacs thinks monster sightings serve a different purpose. He says it diverts people from their problems in life, their anxieties, depression, and bad times. It gives them a sense of adventure and purpose. Kovacs is also the author of The Solved Case of the Real Lake Erie Monster and is a proponent of the oversized sturgeon theory. Case Western Reserve University history professor John Grabowski says this fishy tale has no legs, or should that be fins. Instead, he says historians believe the early newspaper accounts to be an allegorical broadside about the second bank of the United States and not a literal monster attack. 
the bank had just reversed its credit policy and demanded immediate repayment of balances due from people nationwide, says Grabowski. We think that's what the anti-bank gazette was doing, comparing this act with a sea serpent attack. They say money is the root of all evil, and apparently sea serpents too. Could Bessie just be an allegory that took on a life of its own in the minds of people around Lake Erie? Over the years, scientists, marine experts, historians, and folklorists have offered many theories on Bessie. It remains a mystery whether Bessie is a legitimate lake monster lurking in the murky depths of Lake Erie or is simply a figment of overactive imaginations. Is she a friend? Is she a foe? Is she even real? With so many sightings spanning so many centuries, one definitely has to wonder. Many locals want to keep the monster story alive. The magic and mystery of a mythical beast is more fun anyway. And you know what? I too want to believe in Bessie. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend or tag us on social media. Let us know if you believe in Bessie. Or let us know what your favorite episode of The Last 50 has been. This show was created and produced by me, Shane McClelland, and Lori Gum. Until next time, friends. Be weird. Stay curious. These are the Q-Files. <laughs>